We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. This episode is brought to you by Untuck It. Uh, we're talking about the Bulls after a one and two week. Bulls are now four and nine on the season, tied for the fifth worst record in the NBA. I think they were four and nine around this point last season as well. Uh, we had you know, much higher expectations coming into this season. The Bulls have not met them yet. We're joined by Stefan No today, great writer for The Athletic, probably the smartest Bulls analyst out there. Everything Stefan writes is must-read. Thank, uh, thanks for joining us, Stefan, uh, on this podcast. Uh, we're just going to run down the schedule really quick just to talk about what's happened uh, in the three games that have passed since our last episode. First game was last week against the Knicks. Bulls win 120-102. That, of course, will go down as the Kobe White game. Kobe White hit seven three-pointers in the fourth quarter. Uh, That could have been a very bad night for the Bulls had Kobe not caught fire in the fourth. The Knicks were an absolute disaster coming off a loss to the Cavs. Uh, where after that game, Steve Mills and Scott Perry had an impromptu press conference speaking to reporters after the game, basically saying the level of play for the Knicks is unacceptable. There's rumors David Fisdale is going to get fired. Instead, the Bulls and Knicks are tied at 83, I believe, going into the fourth quarter of that game. Kobe catches fire. Uh, I I really thought the Bulls might have been in trouble that night, but, you know, Having White go off like that, I think, made it one of the most fun games of the season and maybe like the only real feel-good win of the year. Uh, He was absolutely incredible in that fourth quarter, and the Bulls might not have won without him. Yeah, he that was that game. It was they were losing, I think, in the fourth quarter at one point. Then he hit whatever he like. I think he went on like a personal twelve zero run. I think the Bulls went on like a sixteen zero run to take basically take control of that game. But yeah, they again it was a sloppy game, lots of turnovers, basically what you expect from a bunch of bad teams. Thank God he went off because the Bulls lost to the Knicks again, especially after the Knicks had their disaster press conference and all that. Like that would have been just awful. Uh, but yeah, that was at least a lot of fun because the season has not had many fun moments. So uh, thank God for Kobe White in that game, and then. He came out the next game as well and played and shot really well. So it was nice to see him put back put a couple nice performances together. I know he wasn't good against the Nets, but 
Yeah, I mean, at least the, the Bulls have had this Kobe White thing. He's basically won them two games. The Bulls have four wins. He's won them two games, basically. He won that Grizzlies game as well. So, uh, and that's more than basically any, anybody else on the team can say. So, I guess, uh, thank God the Bulls have had these Kobe White explosions. I know he's super hot and cold, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, there just has there just hasn't been that much good good. So it's it's been fun to see him when he goes off. Roy, Roy Williams was in the house for it. Kobe said, "Hey, Roy Williams, want to come to more games? Yeah, why why don't you? If, if it gives us more big Kobe wide performances, I'm all for it." Uh, Stefan, you wrote about that game. Any impressions uh, just from that Bulls next game? Yeah, I mean, I thought that um, a lot of the focus was on you know obviously Kobe White's seven fourth quarter threes, but. The whole defensive performance from the team was really good. He had 23 points in that fourth, and the Knicks only had 17 as a team. So uh, I saw, like, Nate Silver's uh, new metric. It's called Raptor. Showed how this rookie class was doing in offensive and defensive stats, like these uh, all-in-one plus-minus stats. And Kobe White was, like, one of the – I think he was the best uh, guard defender, according to that metric, from this class. So – I saw some stuff from him also just like looking at the film that I pointed out in one of my stories. So yeah, I, I was just uh, really pleasantly surprised with his all-around play because when I saw him in college, you know, I thought he was just going to be like first and foremost to score, but he's also like doing some other just little stuff on the court to be like a pretty well-balanced player, I think. A uh, couple nights later, Bulls play the Bucks a game where the Bulls led at halftime. They really coughed up the lead. Uh, late in the third quarter, Bucks went on a big run. Bulls battled back but couldn't win. They lose to the Bucks 124-115. This is a rare game where the Bulls were actually hot from three-point range. They hit 18 of their 43 threes, good for 42% on the night. Milwaukee, on the other hand, could not hit a shot to save their life. They were 6-33 from downtown, but the Bucks were just getting anything they wanted to at the rim. Giannis and Dedekumpo uh, was absolutely dominant. He had 38 points, 16 rebounds. The Bulls closed this game with a four-guard lineup because Wendell Carter fouled out. Uh, Carter was pretty awesome, I thought. Or, Carter was pretty solid in that game, 6-7 from the field before the foul out. Uh, but, you know, just a tough loss for the Bulls because it really would have been a great signature win in Milwaukee. Kobe comes out continuing his hot streak uh, from the previous game against the Knicks. He goes 5 of 8 from three-point range in the first half. I think in the second half he went like 1 of 7 from three-point range. Uh, so that didn't help the offense at all. There was some pretty questionable shot-making by Zach Levine late in that game as well, or shot selection, I should say. Levine hit some tough ones, finished with 25 and 7 assists, but... Uh, I didn't think it was a really pretty performance from him. Too much hero ball late. Uh, and really, that's why the Bulls weren't able to close this out. Uh, Jason, what did you think watching that Bucks game? What did you think of that four-guard lineup? And uh, just kind of a frustrating end to what looked to be a really good fight by the Bulls initially. Yeah, that was a crazy game. Again, a ton of turnovers both sides. Kind of drunk just overall. The Bucks, like you said, they could not make a three-pointer to save their lives. I know they had no Chris Middleton, but... Uh, like just nobody was able to hit a shot for them, but yeah, a lot of Giannis. I think he had like 38 and 16 or something like that. And then a lot of Eric Eric Bledsoe. I thought was the difference in that game because they, without Middleton, they the Bucks needed somebody to help Giannis. Bledsoe had a huge part in that third quarter run, and then down the stretch at the end against that four guard lineup, Eric Bledsoe came in gets a huge offensive rebound. I think that was on Zach. I, there were a couple guys standing under the basket while Bledsoe came in and got that offensive rebound, goes back up and scores, and then on the next position, after a terrible Levine three-pointer, Bledsoe comes, goes straight at Kobe White, maybe could have been called for an offensive foul, but he scores there, seven-point game, game over. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was good that the, Bull, the Bulls played well in that first half, 
Obviously, the third quarter was bad. They scored like six points in eight minutes. And then that, that fourth, they did a nice job to get back into the game. And I think maybe that's why Boylan went with, like, he stayed with Arch. He stuck with Kobe White because they made some nice plays to get them back into the game after they went down 11 going into the third quarter. But, like, I, when you got a four-guard lineup out there against a team with Giannis, and, like, Giannis is posting up Arch, Ryan Archidiakono, bless his heart, he did... Like pretty well, like relatively, what what uh, for what you could expect uh, guarding Giannis when you're like six feet tall and an Arch's size just in general. But like, and and obviously Carter's foul trouble has been an issue. But I mean, maybe try Chandler Hutchinson. Maybe try. I know Thad Young didn't play well either, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and it was it was probably just it was fitting that they gave up basically an offensive rebound putback that was the killer bucket and just uh, yeah. I mean, you, you can't. Can't fault the effort. They played. They played hard. They didn't always play well. They shot well. At least it would have been a really nice win. But in the end, just we've seen so many games so far this year, just not making the plays you need you need to do to win games. Uh, Stefan, do you count that as a moral victory, or was it more disappointment than encouragement? I mean, I was shocked that they were still in the game. I thought that the four guard lineup was really interesting. I mean, on paper, doesn't make sense pretty much at all. <laughs> But it actually kind of works a lot better than I thought it would. You mentioned it, Jay. Uh, Archidiakono was surprisingly like pretty effective in the last three minutes where he was guarding Giannis. And uh, the Bulls, their next game is against uh, the Bucks, So I'm really interested to see if Boylan does that again. He said he was planning it. He said like they found something on film where Giannis struggles against these smaller guys. So I did think that it was like kind of cool that Boylan was... Um, you know, willing to try this really strange idea. Although, you know, you you have to anticipate that they're not going to be able to rebound out there, and that's exactly what happened. That's why they lost the game. They were able to stop Giannis from making some shots, but then they gave up four offensive rebounds in, like, the last five minutes or something, and that totally sunk them. I, I do think that, like, he does need to execute these ideas better, though, because it's obvious that he had this in his back pocket, that he was going to use it at the end of the game. But Ryan Archidiakono played the last... 16 straight minutes <laughs> and Kobe White played the last 19 and a half minutes straight so if you're gonna force uh Arch to have this insane matchup where he's gonna have to exert so much effort you can't wait <laughs> until he's totally exhausted and the rest of the team is exhausted too um so yeah interesting execution uh, uh I should say poor execution and um maybe it'll work better tomorrow I'm not really sure all right and then last night uh, Bulls lose to the Nets. Nets didn't have Kyrie, who was ruled out like a couple hours before the game. They didn't have Karis LeVert, who got hurt a few days before. KD, obviously, out for the season. Bulls still lose. Reminded me a lot of the Pacers game, where the Pacers were without Sabonis, Miles Turner, and Oladipo, and the Pacers still found a way to beat the Bulls. Same thing with the Nets last night. I was at this game. It was the first Bulls game I have been to. Uh, initial observations, the only time the crowd gets loud is when Kobe's going to take a three-pointer. Uh, every th- you know, the rest of the game, it was a pretty dead crowd. Uh, everyone's just so thirsty for something to be hopeful for, and I feel like Kobe's that guy right now. He was not good in this game whatsoever. Uh, he really let the Bulls down late. The Nets scored 43 points in the fourth quarter to win this one. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie had 20 himself in the final period. I thought this was another game with some frustrating late-game shot selection by Zach Levine. He finishes with 36 points. Game looks great on paper, but he only shoots 11-24 from the field uh, to get there. Like I said, Kobe struggled immensely. He finished the night 3-13 for 7 points. Markinen 
finally got it going a little bit. His first double-double, which is a stupid stat, but it was the first time he had one since the first game of the year against the Hornets. He had 16-10. and 10. Uh, What did you think of this game, Jason? Uh, I mean, Dinwiddie just getting to the rim at will, finishing. Uh, he had some nice finishes against some contests, but like just he got there whenever, whenever he wanted. I said before this game, I mean, I've said that I feel like there's been so many games where I've said this year, like once I saw Kyrie was out, it was like Bulls have to win this game. Like you mentioned the Pacers game, there are a few other games this year, like the Knicks game when they lost. Games were like, all right, the Bulls playing a shorthanded team or a bad team, you got to win this game. And they come out, they come out with a with a terrible start. I know Boylan called out the players again about their start. They're like, oh, oh, like they got they got to come do it. They got to have this start. Obviously, it was kind of a weird start time, but I think they were down like nine. They only scored like 21 points in the first quarter or something like that. They obviously fought back and they took a lead, but then it was close going. They were up four, I think, going in the fourth quarter. And then like you said, you give, the, you give up 40-some points in the fourth quarter. just can't get any stops. That's been a trend this whole season. Their second-half defense has been absolutely atrocious. Uh, so just, just losing to this team, just like... To a team without Kyrie, without obviously a no KD out, Carousel you get smoked by Dinwiddie, you get smoked by Joe Harris. Like obviously these guys aren't like total schlubs, but like it's a game you got to win. You're at home, you got to win the game, and they come out and lose it, and they're four and nine now. It just it's just a huge bummer. Just like it just it did not. You mentioned the Zach Levine stuff, the bad the bad shot, shot selection again. Like he has these games where he puts up these big numbers, but if you dive into a bit more. It just doesn't look as good. I know he had some the Bulls hit like three threes, I think, late in like the last minute that kind of made it close after they were down by like nine or ten in the last couple of minutes. That made that kind of juiced up their stat line a bit more, made it a little closer than it seemed. I don't know. It's just another another disappointing loss. Stefan, what 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 did you take from this game? Well, the Bulls clearly should have won that game. Yeah. I mean <laughs> Iman Shumpert was playing big minutes for the Nets and he wasn't even in the league like four days ago. <laughs> Uh, and also the Nets were on like this huge road trip. Was, I think it was the last game of a road been trip. Bad. <laughs> yeah, they were. They had been playing awful. They looked really tired, and yet they just came out and destroyed the Bulls in the first quarter. And I, I think it was uh, definitely a game where Boylan got out coached because the Bulls did manage, as you said, to fight back and uh, actually get like a pretty substantial lead midway through the game. And in the fourth quarter, just another total collapse. I mean, how many? fourth quarter collapses has his team had at this point it's just totally right. <laughs> ridiculous yeah it's bad uh all right before we go any further and look, talk about some big picture bulls issues and with stefan uh we're gonna take a quick word from our sponsor untuck it holidays are almost here and you know what that means gifts what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right unlike most brands Untucked shirts are usually designed to be worn untucked. Untucked shirts always fall at that just right length, no matter his size. So he looks casual and sharp. Ever see an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untucked shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. And with the holidays near, there's no better gift for your favorite guy who needs an upgrade. I've had issues. Uh, doing shopping in the past, it can, can be annoying when you're looking around just trying to buy shirts, whether it's or, or you're trying to buy it as a gift. But Untuck It has been great. Uh, it's just it's just super easy to use. They obviously you get these shirts and you can wear them untucked. It's, that's awesome. With more than 50 plus fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Uh, it, it fits fits me great. The design is great. Plenty of color options. All that good stuff. So you can find your favorite Untuck It style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. So choose some styles like wrinkle free button downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. 
and the website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. So visit UntuckIt.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com. And that's promo code BLUE for 20% off. Stefan, the Bulls were supposed to be better this year, but this team has a lot of the same issues that we've seen them have over the last couple seasons. Uh, right now, they're 4-9. and nine. There's only four teams in the NBA worse than the Bulls. That would be the Wizards, the Knicks, the Pelicans, and the Warriors. Uh, what? Why, why are they so bad? <laughs> well, I mean, I think that uh, the biggest problem is obviously Boylan with this team. I, I think that you can't give all the blame to him because the players have been underperforming. They do deserve a little bit of blame. But, I mean, after every single game, it's just like, Boiling goes on and on about how he can't coach effort. He can't play for these guys. I mean, like he is not putting his players in the best position to succeed. It's it's very obvious, like on both sides of the ball. I think I have less problems with what they're doing offensively, but there's still a bunch of issues that I have with uh, what they're doing there. And then the defense is just like a total train wreck. I mean, they've been doing this blitzing strategy, which has gone completely out of vogue in the league. Uh, Jason Kidd did it in Milwaukee and. He got fired for it. Uh, the Heat were able to use it uh, in their championship runs, but that was kind of like a different era of the NBA. I mean, teams have just gotten so good at swinging the ball around, trying to find three-pointers. Three-point shooting has become a much more refined skill too, so I just don't really believe in this defense, especially with the personnel that the Bulls have. I mean, if you're going to pull this off, you have to make the perfect rotations. Like Maybe a team like the Toronto Raptors, where they just have great defensive players, that are super intelligent. Maybe like you could ask them to do it and they could pull it off. But the Bulls just have so many weak spots on this team. They have either the second or third youngest team, depending on which metric you're looking at. Those guys don't understand. They don't have that experience base. And also they don't have the time playing with each other where, you know, they, they're not even close to pulling this off. I mean, like if a team is able to make two consecutive passes against this Bulls defense, it's just game over. They're, they just have to pray that the other team misses a wide open three, which actually, like, I feel like they've been getting kind of lucky with their defense. It doesn't look that bad from statistical perspective, but I, I just think that, like, they're, especially, I mean, you mentioned it before, Jay, like, later on in these games, the defense just gets worse and worse as teams figure out that, you know, like, all they need to do is make a couple passes to break this defense and they're going to get whatever they want. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's been so ugly. Do you think that's the biggest? Do you think the scheme is the biggest problem with Boylan? Do you think there's a to- other bigger issues? I know Boylan just like obviously he's got all the goofy quotes and he's play- he's kind of tossed players under the bus at times. Like, do you think there's an issue with motivation? I know there was Darnell Mayberry, your co colleague of the Athletic, had a th- he went on the score and like was talking about guys. Uh, like being too happy after losses, and he kind of called out Levine and Markkinen for kind of some stuff like that. I don't think he named that specifically about like being too happy in the locker room, but just kind of their just like general like attitude and stuff like that. Like, do you think just his like leadership is the biggest issue? Do you think the defensive scheme, just kind of all of the above, just comes together to just not be a good coach? Because obviously, Boylan's taken a lot of heat from everyone. Even we've mentioned on this pod before that like even like C Red Bulls fans like hate Boylan. So like, what do you think is the number one biggest issue with his coaching? I think the biggest issue with Boylan is he doesn't understand what his job is. I mean, his his biggest thing right now is that he's a salesman. He's a salesman for 
management and for ownership. And he thinks that uh, if he just gets these guys to play really well in practice, well, then the rest is on them. I mean, that's not the job of an NBA head coach. Like every team, Thad Young said this uh, after the, their most recent game against the Nets. Every team is basically running variants of the same types of plays. There's no like Statue of Liberty scheme the Bulls are going to pull out to just destroy the rest of the league. So what a coach's job is about is getting an extremely high level of execution. And also, I believe that their job is to coach effort. Now, Boylan didn't think that. Fred Hoiberg didn't think that. But, I mean, you look like you look at a guy like Greg Popovich, right? Like, the stuff that Pop is running, he's not doing anything crazy out there. The reason why his teams always overperform their talent level is because he just drills them so well. He gets them to execute perfectly. I remember a play uh, in Kyle Anderson's rookie year where um, he was like two steps off his mark on the corner three and Tony Parker threw it to where he was supposed to be and the ball went out of bounds and immediately Popovich called a timeout. This was like within the first minute of the game just to ream Kyle Anderson out. Teammates came up to Kyle Anderson, told him that he should be in in the right spot. Like the whole team was just on him to make sure that they executed precisely to the foot. And you don't see that with Boylan. I mean, everything that the team does is just so sloppy. Uh, I So, I mean, I said before that I don't believe in the schemes, which is true. But the biggest thing is just that he is not getting this team to execute, and he doesn't think that he's responsible for that. That is absolutely 100% the most important thing he should be doing. And uh, that he doesn't even understand that it's just deeply concerning. Yeah, he threw the players under the bus again after the loss to the Nets. He said after the game, quote, I can't play for them. They have to come out and do it. He also said he wasn't going to make any adjustments. Boylan said, I think we got to stay the course. Listen, nobody likes losing games. There's no shame in losing an NBA game. It happens every day. What I'm disappointed in is in our start, a home game of Saturday night in Chicago. Now, the Bulls did get outscored 30-19 to uh, in that first quarter, but dude, how about the finish? The Bulls have been routinely terrible in the second half of games this year. Uh, I just wonder, like, why would any of the players really believe in him at this point? Uh, I don't think that he's, you know, a, a good leader in general, and uh, it's just really a bummer because, you know, you look at the defensive efficiency right now, it's 14th in the league. It's pretty much in the middle of the pack. That's because opposing teams are missing a lot of shots. The Bulls have also played a really easy schedule. It feels like the defense could totally bottom out at some point. This team is already 4-9. and nine. Uh, Offensively, Stefan, what do you think of the shot profile? I know that uh, there's some more mainstream critics who think the Bulls are taking too many threes. I believe there's something like 8th or ninth in 3-point attempts per game right now. Uh, so it's not an outrageous amount. Some people want them to throw the ball into the post more. I think we can all agree that that's kind of ridiculous. But, you know, what do you make of their poor offense, given the fact that the shot profile has looked pretty good? I'm not really sure to what to make of it because, yeah, you mentioned that the shot profile is awesome. They're getting a lot of threes, and I believe they're number one in attempts at the rim. But I think that sometimes shot profile is made out to be a little bit more important than it actually is. Like, if you look at the Spurs uh, from last year, their shot profile was the worst in the league if you're using that type of measurement i mean they took a ton of mid-range shots they did not take very many threes i think they were a bottom three team in threes but they still had a really good offense and they've been doing that for the last couple of years and they've always had a, a pretty good offense and actually like the atlanta hawks had a very similar shot profile to the bulls where they were just taking a ton of rim and threes uh, and they had one of the worst offenses last year so i do think shot profile is important but it's not the end-all be-all 
And when you look at the shots that the Bulls are passing up, this is going to surprise a lot of people because I think that I have this reputation as like this pro analytics guy that just despises mid-range jump shots, but that's not really the case. I mean, I think that if Bulls players have wide open 15-footers, those are definitely like really good shots that you should take at any time in the shot clock. And you look at the last game against the Nets, right? Wendell Carter being left wide open. I mean, wide open, like nobody is even within 10 feet of the guy and he's only 15 feet from the basket. (laughs) And he's not even like looking to shoot the ball. And this guy shot like 40% from three in college on not a ton of attempts. I think it was like maybe one or two attempts a game, but he can definitely make that shot. And that the Bulls are not even like asking him to shoot that. Deeply concerning again. And that is where like... uh, Another thing they're doing is like they're asking Thad Young to shoot a ton of threes, and I think he's actually been like okay in that role. But like uh, putting guys in situations where you're just trying to force shots from certain shot zones, I don't think that's a good idea. Like I think that there still needs to be some flow to this offense. I think that if they are totally wide open, then they should shoot just for, like, from anywhere on the court, basically. So maybe they're going like too extreme in one direction, and they should try to focus a little bit more on just like finding the open shots. Although I will say too that, you know, they are getting a lot of open shots. They're just missing wide open jumpers, which is really frustrating. So yeah, um, maybe there needs to be like a little bit more balance, I guess. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I think they're 28th in the league in offensive rating right now. Like their three point percentage is very low. They've had some just really ugly three point shooting games, but I feel like I watch them and it's like, they're getting good shots for the most part. Like we, we talk about the shot profile and all that stuff, but like it also feels like like the shots they're taking are mostly fine. I totally agree with you about the Carter stuff. Uh, like, and this has been definitely a trend. I think it happened against the Bucks as well. I think I tweeted about it in the, during the Bucks game. Like right at the start, like I think Brooke Lopez just wasn't even considering guarding uh, Wendell Carter Jr. at the elbow. He's and he's not even looking at the rim. Like, and that this kind of happened with him last year too, where they just like they. I feel like they've conditioned him not to shoot jumpers, which is kind of ridiculous. So let's let's kind of use that to just, I guess just go into talk about Wendell Carter Jr. Because he, I feel like he's been one of the positives. I know the stuff about the shooting. He, he, I feel like they need to condition him to shoot more, be a little more, uh, be a little more selfish at times. But I th- he's been one of the bright spots of this very disappointing crap of a team. Uh, I, I was looking at some on. I know on off stuff can be noisy and all that stuff, especially early in the year. But he's got like a, I think he's a plus three point seven when he's on the court, something like that. And then when he's off, the Bulls get outscored by like twelve points per hundred possessions. So they're basically decent when he plays, and they're just god awful when he doesn't. Uh, Seven, what what do you make of make of Carter? Do you think I, he's the best player on the team right now? Like, what do you think his ceiling is after you've seen how he's played so far? Let's general Wendell Carter Jr. thoughts. I think Carter's just awesome and it's amazing that he's able to have this level of production in the way that he's being used i think he's being used completely wrong on both ends of the floor i mean if you look at the way that he should be successful on defense it's not going out 35 feet on the court and guarding point guards it's totally ridiculous like he was matched up against spencer dinwiddie on an island and dinwiddie went right past him a couple times to close that game that's also a terrible scheme by the Bulls where they don't offer any help when these big guys get isolated so far from the basket. I mean, they have to shrink the floor and like get some feet in the paint, give these guys some help. But I digress. Like they should be using Carter as a drop center. He's such an amazing shot blocker with this, like, I think it's like seven, five wingspan or something. And he just has great timing and that he's still able to be so effective defensively and still get a ton of blocks and rebounds where he's just scrambling all the time. It's like, he's going to be so much better once he gets a coach that knows what to do with him. And then on the offensive end, 
uh, you would like to see him. I mean, everybody on Bulls Twitter on these Bulls podcasts is the same thing because it's just so glaringly obviously. Like you want him to be more of an initiator. You want him to be able to pass. I mean, he was hitting Bagley for alley-oops all the time at Duke. He was such a good uh, high-low post-passer, and you never see that with the Bulls. He's never used that way. Like, they just occasionally have him run handoffs from 20 feet. Uh, So it's just like a total waste of his talents. Like, he needs to be more of a stretch guy. Like, stop passing him the ball on the block for these post-ups. It's just, like, mind-boggling. Like, all of his offense basically right now is just putbacks. They never call plays for him. Uh, and like he gets some shots on pick and rolls, and that's basically it. So once he starts being used correctly, I mean, he's just going to take another leap, and he's already taken a big leap this season. Yeah, I was going to echo the exact same sentiments. Uh, they're basically using him like he's DeAndre Jordan or something. He's in the dunker spot. Uh, and what's crazy about that is like he's undersized for a center, and he's not particularly vertically explosive. So they're basically putting him in the type of position that he's worse like built for and he's still you know been the most uh consistently productive guy on the team i think this is something that boylan doesn't get enough criticism for even though everyone sort of agrees that wendell isn't being used the right way like uh to me when you got the 28th ranked offense in the league and you know your best passer potentially is your center who's also your brightest young player at 20 years old is just being used totally outside of uh how he should be boylan deserves a ton of blame for that i think yeah, absolutely. Uh, just in general, it's 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 not been great for Boylan's use of Wendell Carter Jr. As, and Wendell's been great just doing all the dirty work too. Just this, some like the man offensive rebounds that he grabs and rebounds in general, and this, just come, some of the stuff he's done has just been really impressive. I've been really impressed, especially after he basically missed most of preseason. Just the fact that he's come out and basically been the best player on the team has been uh, has been really impressive. Uh, let's go to back a little more negative things. So let's talk about Zach Levine and Larry Markkinen. So. Obviously, a lot was made of Zach Levine making this all-star jump this season. I bought into the hype, especially after his really good preseason. Lowry wasn't quite as much, but I think we were expecting a lot out of Lowry coming into his third season. And it just has not been the case. Zach's numbers are okay, again, against the Nets, whatever. He had like 36 points. More like good stat lines. But I was looking at, again, the on-off numbers, again, can be kind of noisy. His on-off splits are absolutely insane. Uh... I think the Bulls are getting outscored by like six points per hundred possessions when he plays, but when he when he sits, uh, they they're actually outscoring teams by like three points per hundred possessions, and he's got the biggest like spread on the team. The offense goes to shit when he sits, but the defense is like twenty points better when he sits, which obviously the defense has been a big problem. Uh, and I also tweeted this last night, just kind of it, the Bulls like they have some decent young players here, but they're clearly missing like that real that stud guy. And I was kind of hoping maybe Zach could be that guy. But that was probably wishful thinking there. But I know Ricky's been a bit more uh, criti- critical of like what what kind of team can you really be with Zach Levine as your number one guy? And we're kind of seeing that right now. What Stefan? What like what do you make of these these starts from Zach and Lowry? Like, do you think that the, that the, these guys are going to be able to be like? leaders of a good Bulls team in the near future? Do you think they might have to move on with them sometime in the near future? Because so far, them playing together has been ugly. The Bulls as a team are bad, and these Zach on-off splits are just awful, especially with his defense. Like, what do you what do you think about the future here of Zach and Lowry as, like, the leader, the young leaders? Obviously, Wendell's been great. What about Zach and Lowry? Well, I guess I'll start with Zach. Um, I think it's pretty interesting what his shot selection has been these last couple of games when he started the season and also in the preseason he basically was not taking any mid-range shots the coaching staff told him that he needed to just take threes and layups and that's what he was doing 
And in the last couple games, he started taking a lot more mid-rangers. Uh, he says that he only takes the open ones, which is a lie. Like, the mid-range shots he takes are extremely contested. But I think that shows that he's starting to lose um, lose a lot of trust in this system, and he's just starting to kind of freelance. And I don't blame him because he hasn't really fit very well with this system. It's like uh, the way Chris Fleming wants to play is you need to be – really intelligent and make really good reads in the system and that's i mean it's just not zach's strength let's be honest like he seems to be uh he, he seems to like decide what he wants to do with the ball before he catches it pretty much every time you never really see him create opportunities for other players i mean he'll he'll hit players on rolls on pick and rolls once in a while to get his assist numbers up but that's about it it's never like i i can't even remember a single time this season where i've been like that was an amazing pass that zach just threw like across the court for a corner three or something. It just doesn't happen. So I don't think that he can be that like 30 or 40 pick and rolls a game type of player where you just build your offense around. I think that much is pretty certain, but you know, he does have a lot of skills. Like the threes he was making against the nets in that last minute were totally ridiculous. Yeah. Like uh, the ability to hit those step backs, not a lot of guys in the league have that. So I think he definitely does have a role in the league. He can be a winning player, useful player, but not in the way that the Bulls are using him. He needs to have a much, much more focused role. He's so undisciplined when he plays. Like The Bulls just allow him to do basically whatever he wants, which is the exact opposite of what he needs. He needs like a very narrow, specific role. And as far as Lowry, uh, extremely disappointing year, of course. I really don't know what's going on with him. Um you know, Boylan said that, like, he's not concerned at all with how many shots he's getting, but he's only taking, like, 10 shots a game. It's crazy. Like, he's, like, fourth or fifth every game in shot attempts, so that definitely needs to change. I think his strength, he's never going to be, like, a plus creator. What he needs is a player next to him that can draw two defenders, and he can. that's, that's where he can really take advantage of, of defenders is attacking closeouts, hitting wide open threes. And that's okay that like he's not going to be a great isolation player or he's not going to be able to, you know, create offense for himself. He can still be, uh, I think he can still be a fringe all-star in that role if he can just play alongside a plus passer and creator. And the Bulls don't have that on this team right now. So it's kind of hard to judge his development when I would really like to see someone playing alongside him in that role. Yeah, if you put him next to Luca or you put him next to Trey Young, uh, or someone like LeBron or Harden, I think Markin would be really good. But uh, as we said, you know, the Bulls' biggest problem is they don't have a star-level player. I actually think Levine's offensive decision-making is as much of a problem as his defense because he's such a skilled offensive player, but too often he's not really a plus on that end in general because especially when the ball's in his hands late, he's making poor decisions. Uh, you know, if the Bulls continue to suck like this, if they are really one of the worst teams in the league— I think that they might have to think about either trading Zach or Lowry. Uh, what do you think about potentially moving one of those two guys, Stefan? Do you think that, you know, Lowry, if you could get a lottery pick for him, uh, you know, is that something the Bulls should consider? Uh, Levine seemed like he had a lot more value probably going into the season than he does right now. I'd be interested to see what, if anything, they could get for Levine uh, at this point. Or do you think, you know, it, it might be too soon to start thinking about this? Well, I think the first guy they should try to move is Otto Porter, just because, um, I mean, they only have a, a year more of him. Like, he has an option on his next year, but they can trade him right now. And, I mean, what is the point of keeping Otto Porter on this team so they can win 
32 games instead of like 29 this season. Uh, I think that by the time, I think it's pretty clear even to the most diehard Sea Red fans that this rebuild is not working. Okay, so by the time they are able to get things back in order, Otto Porter is not going to be on this team anymore. So just try to get something. I mean, he's like a really, really good player still in his prime. He can help any team. Uh, I think they can get like a pretty good asset for him. And as far as like trading Levine or Markkanen, like, yeah, why not? I mean, they have to do something different here. Yeah, you mentioned Otto Porter Jr. Uh, I totally feel like he's been hurt and he's got like, what's the deal with his injury? Boylan was talking about like how some nonsense about, oh, it's it's weeks, not months. And it's, it's like a sprained foot or something like that. Like this is like, I feel like this is like super ominous. And with the lack of wing depth that they have, uh, that's why they're playing four guard lineups against Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo at the Bucks, and why like Hutchinson's been starting and he's been okay. Like, I mean, what is the deal with this injury? I feel like it's super mysterious. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any inside info. I know that like the first time we heard about it was when reporters saw him walking around with crutches, right? So they yeah they started so, asking Boyle like, what's on? going on here? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's obviously huge. I think we talked about that before the season. Like, if because of their wing depth, if Otto misses a long time, like the Bulls could be in big trouble, and we're kind of seeing that right now. So that's not great. And the fact that Boylan goes, "Oh, it's not months, it's weeks." Like, so, like what? Like this is like how bad is this injury? Like, it's absolutely insane. Uh, just brutal. It's interesting that you brought up trading him. I honestly had never even thought of that because. I feel like with the Bulls, I think the problem, one problem with the Bulls is like, I feel like they're going to be like in it enough because the Eastern Conference is so bad that they're like not going to go try to sell anybody. If we go into the offseason and they are absolutely this terrible, I think they will try to trade Zach. I would, would not doubt if they try to trade Porter as well. That's definitely an interesting point. Let's kind of, let's finish this pod at least on a somewhat positive note here after just like a lot of the negativity just this te- around this team has been, it's been tough. Let's talk about Kobe White a bit more. Uh, obviously, he has been hot and cold. He's gone through stretches where he can't hit a shot. He was not good against the Nets. Uh, but the, the Knicks game was super fun. He had the great first half against the Bucks. He had a great half against the Lakers before kind of cooling off. He won that Grizzlies game. So he's his highs have been really, really high. His lows have been pretty damn low, which is kind of what I was expecting coming into the season. He's a rookie point guard who is still kind of learning the position. He's really not naturally a point guard because he's just kind of a chucker. I think Zach Lowe called him an inveterate. I can't remember if that was the right word. Like inveterate chucker. He's basically just a chucker. Stefan, what do you make of Kobe White so far? What do you think? Like, do you think he'll ever develop those? the net the playmaking point guard skills where he can actually be the point guard of the future or do you think like his future is legitimately like six man microwave guy i have no idea what his future is going to be i think it's still i mean he's just way too young to be able to project that with any sort of confidence but i do think it's interesting that you know when i was watching him at north carolina i thought that he might have some trouble getting his shot off because of his kind of funky low release that definitely is not the case i mean he just shoots it uh with reckless abandon and He's hit some really tough contested threes, so I think that's definitely big plus to uh, take from his game so far. And yeah, the court vision is not even close to there yet, but yeah, he still has time. Yeah, I feel like with Kobe, it's just going to come down to if he can become a better shooter because he has a pretty unique skill, I think, just for being able to get shots off. He's leading the team in three-point attempts per 36 minutes at over nine a game. So uh, now he's only shooting 30% from three. I do think that, you know, if he could be a 40% shooter from three, having someone who can create like that off the dribble is going to be really valuable. Uh, Also, Stefan wrote about how his defense has been a little bit ahead of the curve. He doesn't look like... Uh, he's totally lost out there like Levine does. So 
I think Kobe, while I'm not ready to anoint him, he is fun to watch. And I think that, you know, he at least has a foundational skill set that you can build on. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I feel like so many people are frustrated now with how Zach and Lowry have looked where they've kind of transitioned to being, oh, the future is Kobe White and Wendell Carter Jr. now, which, I mean, might not be totally off base. Like, we'll see. It'll be interesting. It's a, I feel like people get super excited and super pumped about pumped about the highs of Kobe where he's, oh, he's got to start games, blah, blah, blah. He's already playing huge minutes. His overall numbers aren't that great, but there definitely is some a fun player in there and possibly potentially a really good player let's hope he can continue to develop maybe get a little more consistent get a little more of a baseline competency consistency where he can just be an effective player more all the time and not super hot super cold but again that's kind of what i expected all season so it'll be interesting to see that um i think that's probably good for here uh actually let's take a quick look at the upcoming schedule again we talked about how the bulls are playing the bucks again on uh, Monday, tomorrow, so they'll have a chance for another game there. I certainly don't expect them to beat the Bucks, but they, they were competitive last time, so that was good. After they play the Bucks on Monday, uh, they got a couple more home games. They got a pretty busy week here. So Wednesday against the Pistons, who are terrible, so we'll have D-Rose at the United Center again. Then Friday, we get the Jimmy Butler return game as a member of the Miami Heat. The Heat have actually been really good. Jimmy's been outstanding as more of a facilitator this year and then they go to charlotte so i mean this is a week where the bulls could maybe win a few games so like i said i don't expect them to beat the bucks but pistons at home you should win that game they've already beat them at home miami maybe not uh the heat are good it's still a home game maybe you win that game again and then the second of a back-to-back at charlotte the bulls have already lost at charlotte but and they've been a little better than expected but i mean i I feel like you got to hope the bulls at least go two and two this week maybe they can do a little better than that but uh We'll see. It's been a very disappointing year so far. Stefan, thank you so much for joining us this week on Cash Considerations. Uh, where can we find all your work? Yeah, you can find my work at The Athletic, and you can follow me on Twitter at StephNoh, S-T-E-P-H-N-O-H. Stephen, awesome. The- Thanks again for having us here. Great to have on. Ricky, do you have any final thoughts? No, I was just going to say Stefan's the best. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I think that does it. This is Cash Considerations. Thanks for listening. Awesome, yeah, and as always, shout out to Blue Wire, Blue Wire Podcast Network. Follow us on, at Blue Wire Pods. Thanks again to our sponsor, Untuck It. Uh, for us, please rate and review our podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the good stuff. And as always, go check out all the other great podcasts around the Blue Wire Network. So as Ricky said, this has been Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Jason, Ricky, and shout out again to Stefano of The Athletic for joining us this week. Take care, guys. Hopefully the Bulls maybe actually do better next week. We've been saying this all, like, every week now, the first couple weeks of the season. It's just not happening. We're going to talk, speaking of existence at some point, take it easy, guys. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.